Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, ready to talk a little big blue? Yes, this is a, this is a really fun one to dig into because it, is. it was a bit of a roller coaster season. It ended... I mean, the very end obviously wasn't any fun if you're a Giants fan, getting the absolute shit kicked out of you, losing for the third time to the a very good Eagles team. I mean, you don't have, you can't hang your head. A team that probably had a chance to win a Super Bowl. You know, they they played they played some really good ball down the stretch, and it wasn't a great matchup. But I mean, you got there, you got in the playoffs, and you know we we talked about this. I thought about what you said a lot where we talk about these teams that didn't make the playoffs and they didn't have that crushing line. And, you know, it's the whole, what have you done for me lately? What's the last thing we saw? Recency bias can play into itself eight months later, apparently. You know, it doesn't matter how long it goes. The last thing you saw. And I, I wonder if some of that, too, is playing into how excited everyone is for the Giants or was last year. And I've if you just think back to you know the last three head coaches, because Brian, I don't want to say like Brian Dable wasn't good, but yeah. Brian Dable didn't have to be very good to be very <laughs> impressive. You know what I mean? Like he was, he's very much above average. He's right yeah. now year two for me. He's a top ten head coach. Well, same with the GM. Yeah, and Shane has done a great job as well. But it's it's crazy, like. He could have been like the 18th best head coach, and I and I think we'd have been like, "Fuck yeah, this guy right. gets it!" Like this, just because <laughs> the, the the three previous regimes were pretty effing rough. Um, yeah, would we uh, get even get a, a whiff of retired? Yeah, yeah like even the retired. whiff of competency was so such a such a market market improvement um, that it's easy yeah, to it, see. Yeah. It just it just felt like a, it was. It was all duckies and bunnies because of you know, it was such an improvement over what we saw from a leadership standpoint, from a game planning standpoint, game management. Um, they were able to get some close wins. They were able to, you know, sneak into the playoffs. They were able to get a playoff win. That was a, I watched a bunch of that game again because I brought it up a couple of times. Like those two teams were the same team. Like, oh no, like your defenses are bad. Like this is. This could go. This could go any variety of ways. It's just basically like, don't shoot yourself in the foot on offense. Go score twenty eight points, and then see where you're at from there. So that that game was uh, unique, and then obviously real not great matchup against a Philly defense that was really playing well, and obviously the offense did plenty there as well. Uh, but yeah, successful. I'd say a very successful season. Oh, without Again, question. Still, just harping back on. This team needed to finally hit on a head coach, and it really yeah. did feel like they did. Obviously, Kafka was a big part of it as well. And oh, big call, uh, good call. The you know the the defense wasn't good, but they were they were good sometimes when it counted. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, I do. You go I look do. at some of their third down rates on defense. Yeah, I like, do. They were able to get aggressive and you know take care of business when it mattered even though they're kind of a shitty defense in general. Yeah. Offensive line wasn't great. You know, uh, 
we saw we saw some issues with that, but they worked their way around that, and they had a lot of uh, a lot of injury games lost the wide receiver position, and they still managed you know, they still managed a I don't know a decent game plan despite having to kind of adjust on the fly every week. It felt like for what they had available, they lost Bellinger at one point. He mattered. Obviously, uh, they made a they took a big swing at. Hey, what if uh, what if that was what mattered? A good tight end, yeah. And we go get a better tight end, but again, uh, the real question mark is there. That guy's missed like fifteen games over the last two years as well. So it's a, it's kind of a long way to say it's it's the same team, man, right? Like, yeah. Where's where's the big improvement that we're going to see? It's the same the team. Yeah, well, yeah. well, because that's what happens when you get to this. Even you know, putting the commies in that same, they're close to the playoffs. In that, you're in that six to ten range. We got to mm-hmm. take that next step for the commies. It's making the playoffs for the Giants. It's being a you know a competitor in the playoffs. Somebody who could win multiple games. Not super sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I speak somewhat from the standpoint of the market expectation for this team, which is another final eight in the standing, you know, final eight team standing mm-hmm. run for the giants this year would be a surprise. It would be a surprise, even though the NFC is weak. Uh, if they are in the second week of the playoffs, they have exceeded expectations again. Um, Brian Dable comes into year, the dreaded year two of a giants head coach year two for Ben McAdoo did not go well. Year two for Pat Shermer did not go well. Year two for, <laughs> uh, for, Joe Judge did not go well. Uh, so hopefully Dable can break that trend. Um, weird. I didn't know this till just kind of looking at the history of the Giants. Uh, did you know that, uh, um, well, McAdoo and Judge both finished higher in the NFC East standings in their first year than Dable did last year? Because Dable and the Giants were third in the NFC East. Um, and also, somehow Darius Slayton has been the Giants' leading receiver in three of the last four years <laughs> with 700, basically he hits 750 yards on the nose, like every single year. And that's, that's been good enough. I went, I went and looked at that too. Yeah. Uh, the wide receiver numbers, a lot of it, you know, just attrition <laughs> and injury, but <sighs> at the same time, those aren't bad numbers No, nah. for, okay. for a number two. No. Yeah. For if, a number if two, you right. can get that out of your number two, like I, I'd be happy to have Darius Slayton on the, on the roster for the next few years. Of course, yeah. The that's which is the big problem, which is you don't have a number one, and you don't really have a downfield passing game because the yeah you know the, like okay if you really want to kind of boil twenty twenty two in my my opinion, forget about the playoff win like that was gravy. Forget about playoff appearance that was kind of gravy. Uh, what you cared about with your GM and your coach hire was competency, and you got that. Right. The GM did a very nice job, uh, you know, I think uh, negotiating really good draft capital, but not top tier draft capital, but good draft capital. They got some good young players uh, to fill some some key needs. Um, And we get to see if those guys develop into anything this year and year two. Um, I thought from the coach, you got a guy who took a, a absolutely failing asset in Daniel Jones a guy you did not extend with the fifth year option. They turned him into clearly above league average quarterback play. And a ton of that was sort of thinking outside the box in terms of how do we succeed 
um, in today's NFL with the skill set that this guy has, right? They didn't come into the situation from the Bills and be like, okay, let's turn him into Josh Allen. Instead, they sort of looked at what was going on and they do with defenses and schemes and tendencies, and they said, okay, let's abandon the deep pass. <laughs> let's have him check it down all the live long day. Let's set up a bootleg, bootleg, bootleg. Get him, you know, get him using his legs. Designed runs. Uh, designed runs. Like, you know, we can we can scheme ways to create five, ten yards at a time. We'll matriculate the ball. He's, you know, like like we'll we'll coach him up so that he's not a turnover machine every time he gets contact. Because uh, he was, you know, principally like just an absolute fumble, fumble, uh, um, you know, a, a walking fumble. Uh, but you you saw i think if you were a giants fan and if you were like a personnel evaluator i think you saw a pretty meaningful growth from daniel jones's ability to play the quarterback position and that took you in an interesting set of directions as a franchise because you make the playoffs i think somewhat fortuitously right like nine and seven and one was only good enough to get it done because the nfc is weak okay and your schedule was pretty easy and you got enough enough wins to get a, a playoff game. Well, and you happen to, to play you happen to play yeah. a really overrated team. A couple yeah. of those Washington the Washington games was a, a one score win and a tie. You know, those go the <laughs> other way and it's it's the opposite. Yeah. You know, there there's a lot of scenarios where the, the Lions are in the playoffs. You know, it it was pretty tight between the the bottom four or five teams in the, the NFL NFC playoffs and yeah, it was a yeah, little, so, little fortuitous, but they, yeah, they was, got the close ones done. They got the close ones done, and and hey, you got you got you got your team into the playoffs. That's exciting. And honestly, in I didn't bet that game either way because I was just I didn't really have. I was like freeze perfect. I don't really care. Uh, and uh, I wish I had Giants in that one. That was a you know that was a solid bet from Jump Street because. Vikings were easy to scheme against and Dable schemed his ass off and Kate Kafka had something to do with it too. I'm sure they schemed their ass off and what they asked Daniel Jones to do. And Daniel Jones put together what I think would go down as a top four playoff debutante performance at the quarterback position in the last like 10 years. Like typically if you're in your first playoff start as a QB, Andy, you put, you, you know, you, you, you're peeing your pants a little. Sometimes you're you're really out there, and the game is moving too fast for you. The game did not feel like it was moving too fast for Daniel Jones at all in the playoffs last year. He was a very, very, very solid uh, well, and, operator. And pe- people uh, would in that, point in to that the Minnesota Vikings. game. Yeah, people would point to that Vikings defense being not good. But I think if you watched it, you can kind of separate that. Like, there's hey, this defense is not good, and the team you know, won despite of itself like he looked good he looked like, good he, looked, yes. he, he looked, played well he looked yes he played well he looked effective the vikings defense being bad obviously helped it might have been his best game of the season honestly did he have a better game there were some good throws and you know, there was again it was a rough secondary but good teams take advantage of matchups and win you know, that's what they do and especially in the playoffs and for uh a coaching staff with very little experience at the levels they were at and a quarterback who didn't have any experience in the postseason there. I'd take it. I'd for sure take that. You know, you're, you're a year ahead of schedule and you got two playoff games for him. So fuck. 
you know, it's it's probably a win, despite the like you said being fortuitous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was probably his best game of the season, maybe the best game of his career, and it happened in his playoff debut, which is pretty incredible. Um, so I get seeing that, seeing the development you personally got out of that player, if you're you know you're the regime here, and going into the postseason with a very very tough decision of can we get more? Can he? Can we continue to develop? this player so that we ultimately are, you know, competitive long-term with him and as our franchise quarterback. And I don't know that there are many people who would have said emphatically yes to that question. Right. I think, I think in general, people who evaluate the quarterback position who eat the tape would tell you he's got a ceiling and we might've seen close, if not that ceiling last year. But then there's the huge question of your Dable, if you're, you know, Joe Shane, do you let the work you put into that player and developing him as a pro walk out the door and win games for someone else? And that's not as easy an answer. And I think they ultimately decide, okay, we can get him on a tier second tier quarterback cost. We're not gonna, we're not giving him Justin Herbert money here, but we think we can continue to develop him and use the assets, you know, use the money we have, use the cap we have to put players around him to take our team to the next level. And I, I can at least understand your thinking if this is, you know, if you're the, the brass and, you know, at, down at Big we, Blue We talked about this last year at this time. We said he, he is going to put him in a tough position. Yeah. Because, yeah. And I, I feel like we even – we're kind of saying this was maybe the most likely outcome because, you know, <laughs> if this offense is good, he's not going to be great. He doesn't have super, super high upside, but if he's just good enough, they're going to have to pay him because they, you know, they opted to not use the option. They're just going to have to pay him something, sign him to, you know, a medium to long-term kind of contract uh, or decide like, Hey, he's bad. And it feels like he was going to land in that middle of the pack range so often. And, Truthfully, in a lot of stats and a lot of stats that matter, he's a top 12 quarterback. So fully agree. Pay him. See if you can keep to developing him because it's not just, it's not so easy just to find a top 12 quarterback. You know, you might say like, this is more than we're willing to spend, but what are the odds of us finding someone who can get to this range this quickly uh, on the open market or in the draft or, you know, whatever, depending what kind of draft capital you add. You know, there's always the option to trade up. They had some, they've had draft picks the last couple of years, high mm-hmm. ones, you know, that a lot of other needs to fill, but yeah, I, I so, agreed with the move. So sitting here now, what's the rest of the arc? How does the rest of the arc play out for Daniel Jones and the Giants? Oh man. Somebody brought up Evan Neal. Evan Neal being good this year <laughs> would be helpful doesn't seem super likely he seemed kind of lost i watched again i was watching some of that eagles tape shitty hand fighting like just kind of got dummied by some good pass rushers but man he just got thrown out of position a couple times mm-hmm. uh, yeah you, you need you need the offensive line to step up and i, I don't know what the arc is because 
you know, so much depends on does Waller stay healthy? Does some offensive line, you know, you, you need to see this offense take another step forward. Maybe just having healthy wide receivers for a full year uh, is okay. a big step. If this offense takes a, another step forward and they can next year address a few spots of the defense, you can make a run at this. Okay. So you basically, have a, you have enough pieces to do some stepping stones over the next two, three years. Basically, the contract they gave him gives the Giants it. an out after two more seasons. So this season, inevitability. You were going to tag him and pay him cap, you know, t- pay him tag money, or you were going to sign him. So, and you feel like you're developing something, you know, you keep building. I get it. The next year is sort of it's already built in. Like we're we're doing this pod next year. We're previewing the Giants. We're talking about this is it. This is the actual decision this point year. season this year or never. Cause uh, honestly, if it doesn't work out, you know, I, I don't see it working out this year just cause I don't think the team is strong enough, which means I think that they're probably, you probably are dealing with a, the perception of a step back this year, even if Jones continues to progress or is even flat, right? I think the team is not winning nine games and I think the team is not going to the playoffs. So I think realistically, this team success this year is going to be scrutinized to a degree and it's going to feel like a step backwards, which means next year is really the year that you got to put pieces around them. If you, if you feel like you've gotten stability at the quarterback position, then you go get, you make the swing for the AJ Brown trade that the Eagles did, right? You make the swing to go get the premier wide receiver one. That's somehow some way available on the market if you get stability out of Daniel Jones this year, which is kind of why I think realistically success for the giants in 2023 entirely comes down to Daniel Jones hitting. Yeah. It, it comes down to him hitting, like showing a little bit more range. He can do more than just check down and run. He can also, you know, you're on, you're unlocking part of the game that they put in the, uh, in the closet last year, which is this deep ball, which used to be, fantastic shit the Daniel dimes nickname was because the guy threw an absolute beautiful 40 yard spiral and you have you t- you've completely taken that part of his game away because of the you know situation of your skill position group and your offensive line if you can bring some of that back this year and if he's kind of hitting if he's bottom of the top 10 in epa per play kind of production and you think that you can continue to grow if you put some elite pass catchers around him, then I think that this is a successful season for the Giants, even if they only win six or seven games. Am I crazy? No, it, it's a funny way to put it because fans won't be happy. Sure. The media, the media probably as a whole won't be happy. But if you win six games, but Daniel Jones, <laughs> EPA per play, his success rate, uh, the running continues, he's steep. He still runs for like 600. I think he had like 700 yards rushing last year. And he he didn't play all 17. Yeah. If he, if he can get 600 yards rushing, 3,500 yards, a good, efficient touchdown interception ratio, like he's just an efficient passer because we've, hey, we've gotten you some pieces. We've got you uh, an even better tight end that can be, I mean, imagine him. Remember Waller like three years ago? He's healthy all year. He's a really important piece to the offense. Um, but like you said, with this schedule, and we'll look at the schedule very soon, it's a rough schedule. They did overperform last year. I think maybe that gets lost because the Vikings yeah. are such a, such a goddamn black swan as far as 
overperforming from record to where they should have been that people didn't realize like, Hey, normally the team that overperforms the most is about here. And that's where the giants were, you know, we had the Vikings stealing the spotlight and that like they could win, you know, five, six, seven games. And you could call it a win, a win on the season. Just like what you said, if the quarterback takes another step forward. Yeah. And honestly, Fuck! If you're if you're like, hey, Daniel Jones is right there. We've lost a lot of coin flip games because we're playing so many good teams. Like, man, maybe you think about shutting them down at the end of the year. It's not crazy. And doing a little mini tank. Oh, like, uh, it's we, not we, crazy. You know, we're we're sitting at like six and eight. Like, oh man, wouldn't wouldn't suck to draft in the top ten one more time? Is because this is. Like you said, then you make that AJ Brown trade, yeah. Whatever the equivalent of that is, you get a stud wide receiver one. You get one more pass rush piece, and fuck it, you're in for 2024. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Okay. You know what doesn't define success one way or the other for you this year in any way, shape, or form? However, Zach Barkley performs. Like, I mean, I honestly, like, I, I wish the guy well. I'm glad he took the deal and is playing for the Giants this year, and I hope he kicks ass and gets a nice contract next year. But uh, I really don't uh, – I really didn't get any of the discussion around paying no, running fe- back. No, another and... feather in Shane's cap, I believe, that was uh, – Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Without you question. ended up with a, a top five running back for you know, just under top five money. Um, and we I make him too, like how, how do you want to make fi- you want to make 15 be a slot receiver as well <laughs> got to play two positions okay uh two final comments on so, the 2022 campaign for the giants um they started hot and they finished cold they were 6 and 1 they were 7 and 2 out of the gate and they came down the home stretch and they were having a tough time winning games there was a correlation between scoring more than 20 points and winning for them. Uh, they won one game where they scored 19. It was against Carolina who scored 16. Um, and they lost one game where they scored 20 when they gave up 28 to Dallas. But ultimately all of the games that they won were, you know, were kind of in that uh, just get us to 20 uh, type of uh, ballpark. And, uh, and the defense for their what it's worth held their own a bunch, but they, benefited from the same thing that Washington defense did last year, which is they did not play very many elite quarterbacks. Uh, it was just in general, uh, a pretty much a who's who uh, of you know, meh, meh corner quarterback that they faced last year. Um, and uh, yeah, they only had to play, I guess they had to play Jalen Hurts three times and he cooked them. Oh no, maybe they didn't play in week 17. I can't remember. Hurts did play in that week 18 game. Uh, that, that was the 17th game of the season. Um, but yeah, Philly, Philly picked on you. And that's kind of, and I guess Brian Dable coached the year award fraud. Or did he earn that? It was tough because there wasn't like a clear, you know, like there was good cases for Dable, Sirianni and Shanahan. And they're all so different. And it's like, Hey, you had a lot of fun toys and you really made it work with the young quarterback Sirianni. But like it was, it felt so expected. Like that team was expected to take a step forward. Whereas, yeah, Giants, you know, they they lost a bunch of games down the stretch, barely made the playoffs. But it was such an improvement over the previous regimes. And then the Niners thing. I, I honestly, I didn't have a ticket on Shanahan. I just had the Sirianni money. But doing it with the quarterbacks, he did it with. 
Yeah. I thought he deserved more, more, uh, I don't know, recognition. Granted, yeah, like, hey, you have all these star pieces in your skill position groups to surround these quarterbacks with. But, oh, man, that doesn't matter for like 30 coaches in the NFL. Right. It's like if, if you're down to, you know, the Purdy's and the whatever's of the world, you're just up shit's Creek. So yeah. uh, it felt like, it felt like he was always going to get it based on the, the media did enjoy, especially his first half of the season. Then the fact that they made the playoffs kind of mm. got it there. Even in losing efforts, the giants were amazing at covering the spread. <laughs> this team so good as dogs. They won 10 or they won against the spread 10 and three as dogs, 14 and five over the balance of the season, four and two as favorites, 11 games went under seven, went over one push. Um, it was a very, yeah, I mean, they were good to the betters. They were good to the backers. They were consistently underrated, even down the home stretch, even in the playoffs, you could argue that I should have been more like a pick them than a three point spread against the Vikings. Um, and I thank them for losing in, you know, a game where they were happy to be there against the Eagles. That was one of my favorite bets of the postseason was laying the Philly seven and a half there. Um, did not make sense, but they were a great back. Uh, boy, oh boy, today, uh, covering glory, covering yeah, Bert, glory. Birdie brings up uh, Pete Carroll, too. Pete, Pete Carroll, <laughs> that team wasn't supposed to be very good as well. That's like, a good point. I, I feel like, uh, it, it's weird giving it to someone who's been in the no, league. So like long Tomlin got votes, Peterson got votes. You get, yeah, you get, there was a bunch of words. Yeah, you kind of get docked for having previous success, it feels like, which is silly. Yeah. Okay, so they went into the offseason with one decision that was pretty straightforward, which was you're going to keep Daniel Jones, just a matter of how you're going to craft a, a compensation for him that gives you an out in two years. And they did that. So that is a great, that was great work by them. Great work in the, in the Barkley negotiation, getting him out there for the price you did. Good work. Um, a lot of other decisions I'm not as excited about with the way that they're handling this roster. Um, you lose uh, a decent linebacker in Bobby Okirki. Okariki. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, you Okirike. You lose some decent depth on your D line um, with a couple of uh, rotational pieces. Um, well, they, they gained. Uh, oh, sorry. They, they gained. I'm looking at yeah. the wrong. They, nice addition in Okirike, bringing him from Indianapolis. Nice addition to you, the depth of your D line. Excuse me. Nice addition of a bunch of middling wide receiver talent in Paris Campbell, Jameson Crowder, and some of the draft choices. I don't know why they didn't try to a little harder at the wide receiver position, I guess. Um, Paris Campbell was always this upside guy. Like maybe I, I guess uh, kind of doing it by numbers, but they did, they did try to fill a need with the, you know, their first round pick. They filled a They, they tried to fill needs with, like all their picks they they did draft for needs it felt like banks was you know that was one of their bigger needs is another corner they needed interior offensive line help they got the center john michael schmitz they drafted a wide receiver good speed played in the sec he has some you know you go watch some of those tennessee games or some fun highlights like they did draft for needs but it's still they 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 didn't make a splash in the wide receiver market. And I guess I'd probably agree with you there. I wish I'd seen a little more, but you, you locked up your quarterback. You, you got a good running back back for cheap. Like they, you know, they've 
put money, or at least not money, but draft capital into this offensive line. Like, it's a good rebuild. Like, yeah. You can't fix everything all at once. So I would have liked to see a little more splash there, but maybe they're kind of feeling the same way. You know, if they're smart and they're good at self-reflection, they say, just like exactly what you said like 10 minutes ago, Drew, why make the A.J. Brown move this year? Yeah. Let's make it next yeah. year. Yeah. They bring in uh, – they they paid – uh correctly paid dexter lawrence that guy was your best defensive player i like that mm-hmm. um i like the depth that you've added to the d-line a sean robinson and uh, rakeem nunez rochas are both good players um aziz ojalari should take a step forward uh you know thibodeau should take a step forward these guys are on that track they showed you enough um yeah your your linebacking core is reinforced here you traded a safety for a safety big whoop uh you did not address in any way really the cornerback position through acquisitions. You're just trying to develop your guys, I guess. And Deontay Banks is a little bit of a risky proposition to start as your CB1 um, as a rookie, uh, particularly considering your scheme is blitz heavy and man coverage heavy. I don't know how this works with this group of cornerbacks. Do you? This looks like I trouble. think that's going to be a struggle. Um, yeah, anytime the, you're not yeah, getting I'm, home. I'm with you there, and then kind of birdie mentioning the you know the upgraded tight end. That is an upgrade too, but they they you know, Ballinger was tracking to continue his improvement. I think, and I liked him. That was a Good weird call. injury. Was that the like where the the fist came like through the face mask and like broke his face. Oh, that was wild against the Jags. Wasn't oh, that like yeah. a, like an yeah, eye yeah, socket yeah. thing? So yeah, he should yeah. be back. They did run a lot of 12 personnel, so that's a that's you put sack in the backfield and you got two pretty good tight ends. Maybe, you know, Bellinger worked, you know, he he worked close, a little uh kind of outlet shit, easy stuff final read kind of stuff and you know they're, they're both going to be decent enough in this in the scheme to yeah i mean to open up the run game like i don't know if you know the focus isn't going to be on having this number one wide receiver because you don't like you're forced to it's it sucks so hopefully yeah, they can they, figure something out with that but they have an like, entire overall, like it's a b plus man okay yeah that's fair they have an entire wide receiver room that is uh number twos and threes yeah, it's, uh, and every wide receiver, every wide receiver is like a two point five. Just a ton of redundancy there. Like technically, I suppose your game breakers are Sack Barkley and Darren Waller, uh, which okay. And don't know if I love having my most important skill position players at the running back and tight end position. That's fine. Um, offensive line, you didn't do anything really to address the interior other than the the drafting of John Michael Schmitz. You lose. JC Hausner already in camp, so you have no backup centers here. Uh, depth is a huge question mark on the offensive line. Really, the interior of the offensive line looks bad. Um, I gotta tell you. Uh, but like this is this was the mess you inherited in a lot of ways. Uh, there was not a great deal of talent in the wide receiver room or the offensive line room when you took over, and you need Evan Neal to solidify at one tackle position while you have figured the other tackle position out in Andrew Thomas. That guy got paid. He deserved it. Um, and, yeah, if you have good bookends and your interior guys could learn on the job, then maybe this isn't as bad as it looks on paper. But right now I have their interior offensive line 30th, 
offensive line as a whole 28th skill position group as a whole 21st offense as a whole 22nd and that is expecting that daniel jones gets you into the ballpark of the 11th best quarterback performance this year i'm still projecting you to have about the 22nd best offense i'm projecting you to have about the 25th best defense even though you have a damn decent d-line and pass rush uh your backfield is 30th and that is really kind of the stumper here for me i don't really know why a lot, of, a lot of similarities with washington yeah you have a better quarterback yeah and i don't really know what the plan is of pairing wink martindale with this this type of talent and where it is no and like i said it, it worked out enough on third down where you know you kind of you took the good with the bad, but you know, being aggressive with this kind of secondary can always burn you. And it's surprising that they had such low scoring games at sometimes last year. Can all things considered. It is. It does yes. it does it does feel like they should have been a little less lucky on that with some of the uh mm-hmm. you know, some of the the boom boomer bust plays. Okay. I'm gonna give him a B plus because of the way he handled the quarterback position who you compensated of your guys that needed to get compensated and how you did that, I thought was pretty smart. So yeah, instantly one of the yeah. best GMs, like he's yeah. just, uh, he all the it, moves yeah. have been pretty solid so far considering what he inherited. Yeah. And I really hope they can save some powder uh, for offensive line upgrade, defensive backfield upgrade, wide receiver upgrade in the next cycle. Cause that's what you need to then be as good as your divisional rivals who are a true tier above you in the Cowboys and the Eagles. Let's look at the schedule. I think that's really what it comes down to for me is it's just the gap between you and the top two teams in your division is still really big. Even if things work out. And similar, we're just going to keep doing this similar to Washington. You get Arizona early, at least (laughs) road game different, but uh, early on in the season, this could, this could go, you know, could go poorly. Hurry. Yeah, could get pear shaped in a real hurry because, you know, if, if you don't win that Dallas game, say, you know, best case, you people are a little buzzy away. about the Giants in that game, and I don't get it. Do you? Uh, it's price, obviously, but I mean, yeah, getting getting that price at home, I'd have to look at the current prices. I think that's fair, price. though. Like I think you're, I think you are like on a neutral. You're five, six points worse than the Cowboys, and they match up well against you. Their pass rush against your interior offensive line, like those young guys up against what Dan Quinn's going to do from a pass rush standpoint, could be that could be death on a stick for Daniel Jones in Week One. Um, and then similarly, uh, putting the pressure on your, you know, if, if the Dallas offensive line is good enough to keep Dak upright, they're going to be able to pick apart your weak secondary. Um, I think Dallas is the right side there. I'm surprised people are kind of buzzy giants, honestly. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's four very tough games and I mean, three of them are road games. Bang, bang, bang. You can say the same thing about the Niners. Niners D line is matches up brilliantly against your interior O line. Miami matches up brilliantly. Buffalo matches up brilliantly. Basically the even Washington. Week seven, like Jets week eight. Uh, you have two, three games in your first nine where you are not going to be overrun with an interior pass rush that could utterly leave your offense dead on arrival. And that is the Vegas game week nine, 
the Seattle game week four and the Arizona game week two. They do not, they do not think it is any more complicated than three and six to start where you're winning those games where you're not getting overwhelmed in the interior offensive line and you're losing the other, the other six, three and six start looks pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty straightforward to me. It's pretty fair. Kind of another late ish buy, but yet you end up there and then yeah, you're going to need to win two out of three going into the buy to even feel like you have a shot at making a late season run. But that late season run features both Philadelphia games. Uh, on the road uh, for the second straight week after flying down to the Big Easy. That's the team that will be featured last when we do the NFC South. I don't know how much upside I really see for New Orleans, but that's a team that you know, you're know you power rated similarly with too. So you basically you better hope the Rams have punted on the season at that point. And that Jordan Love isn't good. That's that's not a good stretch to try to get the season back with. So we got I a, feel uh, like there's an awful lot of uh, six and seven one seasons here. Yeah, we got an outstanding comment in the chat from AJ Donaldson. The worst travel spot on the schedule is pretty clearly yeah. week three, where the Giants would ostensibly be flying home from Arizona and then flying out back out to San Francisco for a Thursday night game. That's obviously insane. <laughs> I think almost certainly they're yeah, spending you, the week in the Bay. Uh, you, short, yeah, you, short week you head in the Bay. up to yeah. Sonoma, get a nice, yeah, get a nice hotel for the guys. Practice at Stanford or yeah. whatever. Maybe a decent spot actually for the Giants in that Thursday night game. I don't know. I got to think about that one a little bit more. Um, God, dude, you're, I, I just I don't know that I'm going to have the gu- uh, the guts to back the Giants to take the points when they're going up against a team that has really good interior pass rush. I says that's just like an absolute red flashing weakness with this group for whatever reason. And like they weren't good last year, and it didn't matter, I guess. So maybe I'm overreacting. Yeah, I think that's probably you know there we do this. There's always that one big question to answer. A lot of it has already been focused on how we'll. Daniel Jones progression continue, but how will his progression progress? But <laughs> I think, you know, for in season betting really does like, how is Evan Neal playing? Is Thomas still, you know, getting better? Does he take any sort of step back? How does this interior line look? How are we looking with a rookie center seen, you know, it's not Notre Dame or Iowa, but Minnesota's produced some good offensive linemen over the years, but you know, there's a lot of, interior offensive linemen that aren't just like you know edge guys too i mean it took thomas a year it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of an adjustment especially when the guards are going to be weak next to you so it could be a rough interior line you can see a lot of pressure up the middle and you know if that's the case then i think you just keep going back to the well and teams are going to be able to do that against them yep yep what kind of odds are we getting on the new york football giants this year 45 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I don't know about that. No, no, no. I think the too much of a likelihood that your path, if you get into the playoffs, your path is going to be road, road, road. The idea of the variance of that would be required for you to win your division is it's a real, real, real tough tough thing to ask i think 
right? You're talking about injuries to Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts, if we're being honest. Yeah, you're probably having to win games. You're probably having to win games in San Francisco and Philly to win the NFC. Yes. (laughs) I could parlay those two games and get a better price than 22. You probably could. Um, NFC East 7-1, again, like too much has to go right for you on top of your opponents having you know black swan injuries so that's a pass for me make the playoffs no is already out to minus 215 win total is seven and a half juiced under to minus 114 yeah i mean i get it um this team is not going to win a lot early the schedule is a lot tougher than last year some key weaknesses still at three three pretty obvious areas we pointed out you got a little more depth on an offense. So if you suffer some wide receiver injuries, you got redundancy, but not enough top to top tier talent to really break games against good defenses. Yeah, this looks like a pretty obvious pass or bet alt unders to me. Uh six and eleven type of season, and you come back with a decent draft pick and make a couple moves and you're competing next year when everybody's given up on you. That's kind of the goal. Well, and then also, who knows where Dallas is at in their cycle? Sure. It, it could be, hey, you know, we make one move. We go get some corner depth. We had one stud wide receiver. We make the right draft pick. Evan Neal takes a step forward. And it's like 2024. It's, you know, Eagles minus 130, Giants plus 200 to win the division. And the chip chair and a chance to kind of get something done, make some noise. Mm-hmm. I'd kind of be cheering for that. I like to see, I think maybe long-term in the NFL, since I don't really have a team I root for, I cheer for good rebuilds. Like there's something beautiful about, uh, you know, putting together a long-term plan and seeing it come to fruition where it's not just a whole bunch of good luck where you actually did it right and made it work. And you put together a team that can, you know, win at the highest level for a couple, even if it's only for a couple of years, you know, that's a really hard feat. Putting together a team that is in like the top five odds to win the Super Bowl preseason for two, three years in a row is uh is some I think it was this is total nonsense. This maybe Nate Tice said this, but he was talking about the Super Bowl odds. And he said the San Francisco 49ers are top five Super Bowl odds right now. They don't even know who the quarterback is for this team. We don't know who the quarterback for this team is, and this is where the odds is like, is there a greater compliment you can give a coach than than the respected money of the market saying this is where you still should be priced? <laughs> like that's it kind of made me chuckle and thought about that because we kind of were conditioned to not care either who the quarterback is. But yeah, it's uh I'm cheering for that. I'm cheering for them to yeah, win five games, but dimes looks good and they do something fun next year and we have a a really fun 2024 season from big blue. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, there's going to be a lot, there's going to be some pain this year. Uh, the range of outcomes to me, I think is kind of narrow ish. Um, it's like five days. Yeah. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. I with you. Five, six, seven, eight. Five, six, seven, eight. I mean, there's a long, there's a long tail to the under if Daniel Jones gets hurt and this is the trod Taylor show. Um, there's a long tail to the under if the offensive line never gels and it's just Daniel Jones getting whopped, whopped, whopped. Um, Daniel Jones, by the way, 
He's gotten his fumbling total down from 19 to 10 to 7 to 6. He's taken his interception total down from 12 to 10 to 7 to 5. Uh, he had in total, I guess, 11 turnovers between picks and fumbles last year, which is, you know, number one, you know, best best season of his career with a bullet. Um, you know, better even than the, the, the year he started only 11 games. Um, yeah. Turnover variants could flip things on their head real quick for him this year if he's uh, under significant duress, duress up the middle, especially, I think. Um, I don't really see an upside with these guys because of how difficult their division is ultimately and the schedule being so much tougher this year. Um, no, like, and this happens every year. There's going to be a few teams that we don't think can do much that do something. And, you know, last year it was – who would have thought Geno Smith would take that sort of step? And, you know, even towards the end of the season, it tailed off, but that was a, a very good offense. It was a tougher team than we thought. This happens every year. And you have to think like what would have to happen. Daniel Jones would have to take a very hard step forward. Um, you know, even if he'd played all 17 games, he was like a 3,500 yard passer. Like you need a, you need like more, Cousins, that kind of range, you know, four, 4,500. Like, it'd have to be a really good connection with some of these new wide receivers, and you'd have to really see a, a step forward from probably Neil and the rookie corner, Banks. The pass rush just takes it to a whole nother level, although I kind of expect I expect the pass rush to be good. Like, you need it. It's a parlay. Like, a lot of things have to happen for this team to outperform last year. And like you said, I think it is a little bit of a, maybe a painful step on this rebuild this year. Yeah. The secondary is secondary. Yeah, if, is rough, man. If, if Tarot gets hurt, I think it's Tommy DeVito. Oh, on the roster. Tommy DeVito. Was, no, he made that name up. I'm no, I'm just joking. I know he is a third stringer, but I have zero. If you pull up Tommy. If you zero pull up Tommy, idea. it's just like when we looked up Mike White and it, brought up somebody else <laughs> there's you, a different tommy devito oh yeah he's the he was in the four seasons oh okay <laughs> he's a um he just lost him a couple of years ago oh boy oh boy um yeah i mean you know that <clears throat> i don't see uh, a range of outcomes where these guys are scooping a bunch of awards i don't think i i mean their best defensive player is dexter lawrence you could have Kayvon. Thibodeau, Thibodeau breakout this year, but I don't think he's you're talking about getting enough sacks to warrant DPOY consideration there, even though his price is probably super huge. Um, the secondary is going to be just pick you, any, any team that can scheme and block a very good pass rush here is going to get into Great the 20s link. pretty comfortably against this Giants team, from what I can tell you. It's a huge clash, huge misfit between personnel and uh, and scheme on the defensive side in terms of how you populated this roster. Um, yeah. So I think the hard truth is the, uh, the giants take a meaning, meaningful step backwards this year, but that ultimately that's probably a good thing for them going forward. Yeah, no, I think so. As I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm, I'm all in on 2024 giants. If that we can get the rebuild. Tommy DeVito, Eric Dungy's backup at Syracuse before transferring to Illinois. Well, how about Real that? Person. Real person. Uh, known quarterback school, Illinois. They did go to Don Bosco Prep, so that's something. Really? 
That's an important school. Very, um, good, rest, very good wrestling program. <laughs> um, that's probably it. Yeah, the the betting plan, like you said, I I don't I don't have something strong to rewards. If you really, you know, want to get squarely, I think that the alt unders. It's just there's not a lot of room there, and they still do have the coin flips in the middle. Feels like they stick pretty close to their range. Yeah, good enough coaching. Yeah, good enough coaching that I'm not really not really into that. I, I think there is some, as you know, Drew put so eloquently, the the middle of the line sucks and could struggle. And there's a lot of good interior pass rushes they're going to go up against, and that might just be a you know ride that ride that until it fails kind of thing. If if we see that to be a problem right off the bat. There's seven, eight spots during the year. It's like, man, if this number is kind of in range, this offense is going to struggle and be able to take this favorite against them again. Like, this is a four that should be six. This is a six that should be eight kind of thing. Yeah. There are two specific matchups over the balance of the season where they are bottom five. One is their offensive line against the pass rushes they face cumulatively is a mismatch in favor of the defense that is a top five that's going to hurt their offense bigly uh, although they found ways to work around it last year with some of the quick changing up the passing game to a quick pass attack the other area is defensive backfield versus quarterbacks they are bottom five their backfield versus the opposing quarterbacks cumulatively over the season so we're talking about a team whose betting i you know betting identity in a given week is they're going to struggle to handle the pass rush and obvious passing downs, and they're going to be spotting teams' leads because their backfield is exploitable when they're up against. So if you're up against a good quarterback, maybe look for an over. Although, if you're up against a good quarterback, we're probably, you're probably laying points against the Giants, honestly. No, like, yeah, like the, the Miami game. If uh, yeah. Miami's healthy, that pass yeah. rush is working, and Tua's still alive, like mm-hmm. – you have a you have a distinct advantage in the okay. you know Waddle and Tyreek versus that secondary. You have a distinct advantage with the just the, the entire five, six, seven guys you want to list in that pass rush that yep. should have some success there. Okay, so I think this is the betting plan. Giants up against a team that has a weak quarterback but good pass rush. You're tra- you're looking for an under. That's like a Redskin, you know, the good commanders. The Giants commanders matchup is, is obviously it's like that's like an under, right? Um, if you're up against a team that has a good quarterback and a weak pass rush, that's an over, right? You're gonna get cooked, you're gonna come back in those games. Uh, I think up against a team that has a good quarterback and a good pass rush, you are laying points against this team. Uh, and I think against a team that has weak quarterback, weak pass rush, like the Cardinals, you're maybe find laying the points with the Giants. <laughs> That's probably the only situation where I would lay Giants points is that you're going up against a bad quarterback. You're not going to have a lot of spots where you're going to lay points. Where no. you're gonna, they're going to give you the ability, unless you're no. heading an alt. No, and I, I don't love them as Small dogs. Favorites. I they, they were incredible as dogs last year. I know. I, I get it. I don't think I'm going to be taking the points with them this year because I just don't see the, as much opportunity for them to get back backdoored. I don't think no. coming through the back door is going to be as easy as what I'm getting at. Do you agree with that? I do. Okay. Um, some of that was just variance as well. Like some of those, some of the endings. Yeah, like they had, they had, they had no business covering on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. 
because that was that was a game where they closed it to an eight point margin with the touchdown like as time expired. Am I remembering that right? Uh, they probably should have lost to the Titans in that game where they went for it for two. Let's end on this question for you. Dable got the ball going, got kind of won over the locker room going for two in week one and beating the Titans. But that was a pretty indefensible decision. So much time left. You're giving the team the ball back, and you're literally like, you must go score a field goal or you will lose, as opposed to, you know, any other type of game state. You, you it, it puts it puts their offense and and the Titans did drive down and kick like a 45 yarder that they missed. Pushed yeah. it. Like it puts the offense in a different position. Like I I wasn't sure how to feel about it. I'd, I'd like to see some of the you know, the nerds. I think it was the, the wrong kids, decision. Uh, win probability models. You had nothing to lose, though. And you're trying to win over the locker room. And you're like, hey, yeah, if I, we I get this. It's hard then, to put yeah. in the, the intangible of, like, yeah. what that did for, like, the, you know, the team believing in you and rallying around you. You can't that you can't put that on a spreadsheet. Hey, find me a spreadsheet that measures heart, Drew. Yeah. Well, the, the game that measured heart was where you went and beat uh, Green Bay in London uh, as an eight-point dog. Uh, you showed up with Hart and Green Bay did not. Um, that was a pretty obvious example. Crazy back-to-back wins against Baltimore more in Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't know how they did this last year. I, I, I don't understand it. Well, I mean, go look at the second half of the season. Yeah, that was... You a sad sack Colts team and barely got a win versus the Commanders. So, but it, it did come back to earth quite a bit. But when you, when you start out 6-1, and one, you're going to make the playoffs an awful lot of times. Yep, that's how it goes. Okay. Um, um, all right. That's right. pray for me. I got to go home and my uh, 11 year old watches my eight year old during the day. And she's not, uh, she's apparently full Saquon on me here. Oh. Not happy with her pay rate. <laughs> when, are, when are you coming home? I said, we got to talk about my pay rate. I'm making a PowerPoint, she says. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm in for here. Oh, I got to come up with that. It's like a 15 minute drive home. I got to come up with like a number in my head that I'm going to work out from. <laughs> I mean, she's tragically underpaid, but she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that. <laughs> Such is life. That's, that's what I'm dealing with. She gets now. a lot of benefits though. Yeah. She can just do whatever she wants all day. I mean, don't give her a lot of chores. He basically watches himself. I love it. Man. Just like make sure that make sure the, the older one just make sure the younger one doesn't die. Like that's all I do. F free room and board, paying for the food. Oh, these are all good points. Oh, I'm going I'm going yeah. to the negotiating table, guys. So we'll catch you guys on Wednesday to talk about the Cowboys and the Eagles. If you could do me one favor on the way out, hit the thumbs up. If you're not subscribed, please do. That helps a lot as well. Thank you guys. If you have anything we missed or anything you wanted answered, any questions, any thoughts, any conspiracy theories, find us on Twitter. See you guys. Daughter in a group chat with other 11-year-olds who have to watch their younger brothers who are under I wonder about that. I they might have had a, that. yeah, they probably had a Zoom where they talked this out. That's how we, that's how we base fucking fairy money. It's like, oh, she'd say, 